your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Before we begin, I want to give you a disclaimer. My disclaimer is this. I cannot earn, I want people to understand this. You cannot earn your salvation. Those songs that Isaac led us in about the love of God. You can't earn God's love. So let's put that aside already and understand that we are accepted in Christ. Whenever the father looks at us, he sees us through the blood of his son. All of our sins have been forgiven. When we've confessed Jesus as Lord and we've confessed our sins, as the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Your past is exactly that. It's your past. God does not remember that against you. And you may at times struggle with feeling like I don't measure up or I'm such a mess up or here I did it again. And the father, when he looks at you, says, what? Because the Bible says he casts our sin into the sea of God's forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. He chooses not to remember. You may remember that you fell again. You may remember that you fall short of God's glory once again. But the Father in his great love for you does not look at you that way. And so as we say this, as we talk about what we're going to talk about today, that needs to be the basis that I am loved by God I'm accepted by him. I am forgiven by him. I'm not going to earn more of his love. I'm not going to buy more of his love. That has nothing to do with this. We're going to be talking with you, Partnership with God, part four. And we're talking about shrewder than the shrewd. We want to be shrewder than the shrewd. Look to the person next to you and say, that's a hard one. Shrewder than the shrewd. Luke chapter 16, I'd like to share with you a parable that Jesus taught. Luke chapter 16, we'll start at verse 1. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Notice the word, it says wasting. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do, so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And we're going to stop there. The parable begins with a rich man calling his steward before him to inform him that he will be relieving him of his position for mismanaging his resources. Now, a steward A manager, a steward, the Bible refers to him as a steward in in the King James oftentimes, is a person who manages another's resources. The steward does not own it, but he has been entrusted with the resources of another. And he has authority, he has authority to transact business in his name. He was someone who was trusted and entrusted with resources, yet he had to, at some point along the way, give an account of what he had done with those resources. 
the steward is being released. The owner of the property comes to him and says, you know, you're being released for mismanagement. Not fraud, but mismanagement. He wasted and squandered the master's resources. This is why it explains he's able to make a few more transactions. You know, in a lot of companies, whenever they say to you, you're done, they literally mean it. You could have been a faithful employee for 30, 40 years. And when they say that you're done, they, they call you into the boss's office and say, I'm sorry, things aren't working out here. Your job is done today. Here is your paycheck. Stand here. Someone will go clear out your desk. They'll clear out your desk, give me your keys, and they will escort you out to the parking lot. I'm like, why would people treat people that way? But this guy, he evidently hadn't stolen from him, or he would have been charged with the crime. But he was allowed to carry on a few more transactions. He just said, hey, this isn't working out. You're wasting what I've entrusted to you. The steward, when he realized that he'll soon be without a job, makes some, the Bible refers to him as shrewd deals behind his master's back. And what he does is he reduces, he calls in the master's debtors and he says, how much do you owe? And he reduces the debt that they owe. In exchange, he's looking for shelter. He's looking for a place to stay. He's looking for some favor in the future when he is eventually put out. The man is desperate and he's unscrupulous. The key phrase to remember here is this, in those portions of scripture is that people will welcome me into their houses. Since Jesus repeats this phrase later in the parable, and it relates to the point that he's making. When the master becomes aware of what the wicked servant had done, he commends him for his shrewdness. Do you see that? I can see the master looking at him and shaking his head and being like, you did it again. I can just see, he commends him. It doesn't say he's angry with him. It doesn't say he punishes him. He commends him for his shrewdness, okay? Verse eight, the master commanded the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world. And now this is not God. Jesus is talking about a man, a manager, and he's talking about a property owner. They are not God. Both of them were probably wicked. Both of them were probably you know, ungodly people. Because notice what he says. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind. So this manager was dealing with his own kind. The people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus is not, what is he not doing? Jesus is not applauding dishonesty. And a lot of us probably wouldn't like this shrewd manager because he says, I'm too weak to dig and I'm too proud to beg. He's prideful and he's lazy. And a lot of us don't like lazy, prideful people. And that's not the qualities that we're looking for for an employee. Let's see, I, I'm kind of looking for someone who's kind of lazy, likes to lay around, doesn't want to do very much, and someone who's kind of arrogant. Those are not qualities that people necessarily look for in friends or in coworkers. So Jesus is not applauding his dishonesty, but he says the people of the light are not as shrewd as worldly people. When it comes to securing their future. What are some other words that we could use for shrewd? Just quickly. Conniving? That's kind of a negative word for shrewd. But it kind of goes along with it. 
What else? Clever, plotting. What else? Resourceful. What else? Slick. What else? Cunning. That's a good one. What else? Is shrewd necessarily bad? Some of us think of of a shrewd businessman as being something that's bad, that it's somehow evil. But other words that we could use for this would be astute, someone who's sharp, someone who's smart, insightful, wise, clever, perceptive, or on the ball. This guy realized, I'm not going to be here long. I got this good job. Things are going really good for me right now. But I know this, I'm not going to be here long. It's ending. And I need to be looking out for my future. I need to plan for my future. It amazes me how many people fail to plan. It amazes me how many people just kind of go through life like it's just always going to, everything's just going to fall into place and everything, you know, it's always going to be, everything's going to be easy. And it's, it's amazing to me how many people do not plan ahead. Don't look ahead at all. You know, you don't think that your car will need the oil changed once in a while. You don't think that your your mower needs the blades serviced. And so this guy began to look and plan ahead. He says, I'm not going to be in this position long. I need to find a way to take care of myself in the future. So he begins to look around and see what his options are. He says, I'm, I'm too lazy to dig. I'm weak. I'm lazy. I'm arrogant. My pride won't let me beg from people. What else do I have? What else can I do? He says, I'm in a position where I've been entrusted with some things. And if I use my position of influence now, it will help me in the future. He sounds like a politician. That's kind of beside the point. So he begins to look around. And this is what the master commended the unjust steward for. For planning ahead and using what he had to benefit him and to position him for the future. None of the master's resources really belonged to him, but he could use them to make his future better. As Jesus begins to explain this portion of scripture in the verses ahead, he begins to make application and he draws a contrast between the people of the world and the people of the light, between unbelievers and believers. Jesus said this, he insults them in some ways. Jesus said that unbelievers are wiser, that they're sharper. If they're sharper, that makes you what? Dollar. If they're wiser, then you're less wise. If they're smarter, then you're dumber. That's what Jesus says. He says, the people of this world are wiser. They're more astute than the people of light. Learn from them. He says, they're wiser in dealing with their own kind than you are in dealing with your future for the world to come. I think you know where I'm going. The unjust steward once he knew he was about to be put out, maneuvered to put others in debt to himself. He did so by cheating his master, who more than likely was cheating his customers. He made friends of his master's debtors who would then be obligated to care for him once he lost his job. Jesus then says this in verse 9, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. This manager and the people of this world use what is available in this life to make their future 
better. And he was commended for that. Jesus said, you need to take a lesson from this guy. He says, we should learn from them and use the riches of this world in such a way that when it is gone, we will all be welcomed into the eternal home. As I said to you before, we know we can't buy our salvation, nor can we earn our salvation. God doesn't love us more because of our good deeds. But Jesus clearly says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let me ask you this. What do you have that's really yours? I hear people say nothing, but I don't know if we really believe that. Let me ask you again. What do you have that's really yours? You may say, well, the bank and I have a house. The bank and I, you know, some of you may say the bank and I have a car. Credit card company and I have new furniture and maybe some new clothes, a new suit or new shoes or something. But as believers, what do we understand about everything that we have? It comes from God. It's a gift from God. We are entrusted with it, but only for a season. Only for a season. As followers of Jesus, we believe this. We believe that everything that we have is a gift from God. And it's only entrusted to us for a period of time. Everything we have. What are we? We're stewards. We're managers. It really doesn't belong to me, but I'm given the authority to use it. Everything I have. We're not just talking about material possessions. That wife that you call yours, she's entrusted to you by God. Those children that you have, that you love, that you call yours, they are gifts from God. They are entrusted to you. Those grandchildren that you have, they are gifts from God. They're not yours forever. They are entrusted to you. You are a steward of everything that you have. You are a manager. And just like this guy, one day you and I will give an account to God. There's nothing we will take with us. Now, a lot of times they say that the guy who dies with the most toys wins. Really? He leaves it for somebody else. People who who don't even like him are getting his stuff. People who didn't work for it are getting his stuff. People who don't value it are getting his stuff. So no matter, we come into this world with nothing and we leave this world with nothing. Everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God. So we are stewards and one day we will give an account to him and he's going to look at us and say, what did you do with what I gave you? Please don't think it's just material things. It is your time. It's your talent. It's your resources. It's your influence. It's your abilities. And all of those things, we have an opportunity to do something with them. Part of partnering with the God involves using our resources, connections. I want you to hear this. Your connections, your abilities, and your influence for the future. So be sharp. Look to the person next to you and be sharp. Say, be sharp. And while you have the opportunity, you know, opportunities only come by once in a while. It's like certain trains. They don't stop at every stop. 
there's trains that go. There's some trains that stop at every stop. There's others that you get on. You're going to ride it for 40 miles. It doesn't stop at every stop along the way. And opportunities don't always come along. And so when you're given an opportunity, you need to take advantage of it. You have an opportunity to use your influence for the kingdom of God. When you put your influence into something God is doing, others will often come alongside of you and help. What can you accomplish for the kingdom of God simply because you're willing to lend your influence to an undertaking? What if there's a need in the community and you see it? And simply because you're willing to say to some other guys, maybe there's a widow and her house is messed up and there's things around her yard. And by simply saying to a few of your friends, can we go over and help this single mom? Hey, I'm going to go over on Saturday morning for a few hours. Would you be willing to come along with me? It's amazing the things that people can accomplish when they join together as a team. How about using your abilities for the kingdom of God? There was a man in our church in Baltimore who was a contractor. He had over 50 guys who were working for him. And he would use his abilities to help churches and ministries. I'm not talking, a lot of times people say, well, you know, I really like to to help you out. And what they mean is they'll give you like a 1% cash discount. And they think that that's helping them out. That's really not helping them out, okay? That's making you feel good. A 1% cash discount is not helping them out. For certain groups, he would go and he would install whole HVA systems in their new church buildings for free. They would just pay the cost, not his markup. They would just pay the cost that he paid for the equipment. Another contractor I knew would do work for ministries for free. When asked how could he afford to do it, he said, every time I do work like this for God, he sends me jobs that are really profitable. And they make up for it. They make up for the time that I lost to do those jobs. They make up for it. How about your connections and your resources? What relationships do you have here? Resources have you been entrusted with that can be used for kingdom purposes? You do realize that everything you have is only on loan by God. It belongs to him and you are the manager. One day, it will all be of no value to you. Do you ever have those coupons? My wife shops at Old Navy. You ever have those? uh, Do I have any Old old Navy shoppers? Okay, I got a few of the ladies. Old Navy. Some of you guys, go ahead and admit it. Some of us are getting too big for those Old Navy pants. uh, You got to be like a 36 or something. They got to come on. Real men are bigger than 36. (laughs) Like kids. I was like, I didn't. Like Old Navy sends you these, if you have an Old Navy credit card, they send you Old Navy bucks. Now you got to spend 50 bucks or whatever, and you get $30 for a free money. And so obviously my wife and kids have to do that. But it's like a really a bummer when you go to the store and you see that the coupon is expired. You know what I mean? You, you go in there and you buy, you're starting to buy all this stuff and you go to put your coupon down and it expired yesterday. You're like, ah, oh, I, I should have been in yesterday. It's kind of a bummer because you're like, just yesterday, this little piece of paper would have saved me $30. Today, it's worth nothing to me. Today, it's, 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 I just need to throw it in the trash. Since all of it's going to be gone, why not use what you have to benefit you later? Since all of it, see, you have influence now. Some of you have strength now. Some of you have abilities now. Down the road, 
you will not have that same influence. Some of you have connections on your job or with people, and you can use those connections to advance the kingdom of God. Some of you have strength physically now that you could do things for the kingdom of God. It is not always going to be there. So why not use it now? Well, whenever I retire, you know what? A lot of people, when I retire, I'm going to serve God. You know, I get hit by a truck on the way out of your retirement party. You better do something for God now. Here's the principle. Since it'll all be gone, why not use it in such a way that'll benefit you later? Well, pastor, we were talking about this in our prayer time. Isn't that selfish? Jesus commends him for it. Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you know why it's so easy for some people to be, they're so ready to leave this life and and they look towards heaven? Do you know why? Because that's where their treasures are. There's some people who have so much treasures here. And it doesn't matter. You know what? You can have a lot of treasures here and have a very small bank account. That's not what we're talking about. You can have a lot of treasures here and own very little amounts of things. But where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. The Bible says that when we give to the poor, that we're lending to God. That when we give to the poor, we're lending to God. It amazes me how many people fail to plan ahead. Many believers live as if this life is all there is and as if they don't know anything about eternity. I want you to know that you will not be here long. How many of you ever seen those timelines? When you were in school, did you ever see a timeline or a number line on the wall? And, you know, and they would say 2,000 years runs across the whole thing. Here's the reality. If you would have a timeline from here across the JBs on out to Lancaster, heading on out west to Ohio and to California, across the Pacific Ocean. Make a little stop there in Hawaii for a little bit of time there, a week or so there. Work your way the back around. And if you had a small dot, a little pencil mark that you could scratch on there, and it would come the whole way back around and it would come back from the east to blue ball and circle back around and touch us. That little dot on there would be our life in this world. A little pencil dot compared to what eternity is. Jesus goes on and he says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you're not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard this and were sneering at Jesus. And he said, you're the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Now, what's our application of this partnership with God? Shrewder than the shrewd. A person who's shrewd will do this. They will say this. Let's say each of us live to be 80. Sonny, how old are you? 
It's getting close. Next week. Frank, how old are you? 78. If they live to 80, I hope they live to 90 or 100. And when they get 90, I hope they live to 100. But if they would live to 80, if they would, time here is not a whole lot of time, is there? That gets scary, don't it? 67? 13 more years. 13. His family lives a long time. Paul, how old? 56, 24. If we said they lived to 80, we don't know that. It's pretty short, Ron. 71. You need to be training somebody. Cover your, your, all your work you do here. You need to go out and evangelize, Ron. Bring them in. Nine years. You think about that? You think about that there's people in this room who will only have for a few more years. That's scary. That's sad. So here's what Jesus is saying is look at the world. Look how the world does this. The world looks at people. People in the world see a situation and they say, I'm not going to be here forever. I know what I'll do. I'll make my future better. He was commended for that. I'm going to plan for my future. Jesus says this, that the wise man or the wise woman will plan for their future. They will look at the future and say, Jesus says to use worldly wealth to gain friends and a welcome entrance into heavenly dwellings. What's that sound like to you? What's a heavenly dwelling? I'm sorry, an eternal dwelling. Do you realize that I can't get God to love me anymore? I can't get Jesus to die any more times on the cross for me. I can't earn my salvation. But I can use the things of this world. I'm considered one who's sharp, one who's on the ball, one who is worthy of entrusting with more things that are eternal. When I use what I have for the kingdom's purposes... So if it's my talent, I want to use it for him. If it's my connections, I always like it when I can help somebody. It's kind of weird. And I don't mean to keep going on, but I always enjoy that. Like I remember a few years ago, I like got onto this refinancing thing. Now I don't make any money for refinancing or telling people to refinance, but there was quite a few people that I know who refinanced their homes and went from a 30 year mortgage down to a 15 year mortgage and kept their mortgage payment like the same. And I felt really good. You know what I mean? Wait a minute. These people knocked nine years off of their mortgage and are making the same mortgage payment? Are you serious? That's a lot of money. You know, my buddy Andre up the road, we buy wrecked cars. Wait, if I can get a car and save 40% or 30%, I like to tell people about that. I feel good about seeing someone be blessed and seeing them help. So whatever the resources that God, when God entrusts you with a resource, if it's knowledge... If it's wisdom, if it's your teaching, if it's your gifts or your abilities, he says, leverage those things now. Use those things now for eternal purposes. I don't know what God has given you, but I know this, that there's nothing that you're taking with you on that day. Only what is there is what you've sent ahead. If you wait till the day that you die, that's too late. But now... You and I can leverage ourselves. I'm not trying to get a dollar out of you. I'm saying that Jesus said, use tangible things 
earthly things, worldly wealth. Use worldly wealth here to influence your eternal life there. I pray that God will open up our hearts and he will show us, each of us, what do I have that I can advance the kingdom with? It may be Ralph's truck. God may use his truck. Who knows? It may be your business. It may be your friendships. That through your friendships, you can advance the kingdom of God. You can get some people together and and do a project and help some people or care for others. But let's just ask God, Lord, don't let me be a fool. Don't let me waste what you've given me. But may I be wise with what you've given me. And may you then, Lord, entrust me with more because I've been a faithful steward. Father, I pray today that this message, I just ask that you would open our hearts and show us eternal things, Lord. God, there's people around us who need to know you. There's a world around us who is lost. Lord, there's nations and peoples who have yet to hear the gospel. There's people in our neighborhoods who don't know you. And God, I ask that this church and the members of this congregation would be people who seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. That they would be such good stewards with whatever you give to them, Lord, that they would always have more than enough, Lord. Lord, I pray for their influence. I pray that their influence would grow and I pray that they would use their influence to bless the kingdom of God. I pray for their skills and their abilities. I ask, Lord, that you would multiply their skills and their abilities, that they would learn, that they would be prospered. I pray, Lord, for their finances. I pray, God, that they would give to many and borrow from none. God, I pray that people, as they give to missions, that they would see that they're really lending to the nations because they're lending to you. They're lending to you, God. And Lord, I pray that on that day, that when we leave this life and enter into eternity, God, I ask that we would have great rewards. I pray that every single person here would be welcomed graciously, wonderfully into their heavenly abode. And God, I pray that with that, they would have, that they would have stored up treasures in heaven where moth can't eat it up where rust can't destroy and where thieves can't break in and steal. God, I pray that our heart would be set upon heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.